1: Uh, Mr. President, uh, has it been a good visit?
0: Very satisfactory indeed. We uh, got what we came for. And our special relationship is still very special. And, Prime
2: Minister?
0: I love that word, relationship. covers all manner of sins, doesn't it? I fear that this has become a bad relationship. A relationship based on the President taking exactly what he wants and casually ignoring all those things that really matter to, um, Britain. We may be a small country, but we're a great one too. Country of Shakespeare, Churchill, the Beatles, Sean Connery, Harry Potter, (laughs) David Beckham's right foot, David Beckham's left foot, a friend who bullies us, is no longer a friend. And since bullies only respond to strength, from now onward, I will be prepared to be much stronger. And the president should be prepared for that.
1: Welcome to the main event. Yes, that scene from a movie called Love actually actually looked like a scene that we just saw on Friday with uh, Prime Minister Theresa May and uh, President Trump. I don't know that we could say it was uh, in the same you know in that scene. It was the Prime Minister of England uh, saying he's not going to let uh, United States bully him anymore. And I think, uh, but I think there's a, a lesson in that um that people are people are concerned about the way Trump is intending on having relationships with other countries in that he's going to talk to them he's going to talk to them and have understandings and peace through strength and all that stuff and people don't people don't understand you know he's going to try and be try and be friends with a with a killer vladimir putin he didn't say that he just said he's going to he's going to deal with him. He's going to have a relationship with him. You know, just like uh George W George W Bush did and uh and it evolved as it evolved and you just can't create um relationships with people without talking to them. Which is uh, something that we saw the last eight years, and how did that work out? Not too good. Hey, well, uh, we just got back from the inauguration last weekend. I'm sure you guys have been glued to the TVs, and uh, if you missed anything, we're going to talk about it today. But first, let me introduce myself. My name is Ed Hoffman, President Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender, located right here in the Inland Empire with offices all over Southern California. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and you need financing, call me toll-free at 855 640 2020 that's 855-640-2020 one last time day or night area code 855-640-2020 if you want to get in touch with me but you don't want to talk on the phone uh you can find me at wcc loans where i have all kinds of mortgage information from you if you want to apply for it or get or get some specific information go to the loan center tab and click on the apply now button and uh and you can uh Fill in as much information as you want to give me and uh, let us know how much information you want back and how you want us to contact you, Um, whether that be cell phone or work phone or home phone or uh, text or uh, tweets or uh, smoke signals, however you want to do. You'll hear back from either uh, me or one of my teammates and uh, we'll help you uh, fill in the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. Um, if you'd like to uh, email me first, you can get uh, you can just email me at edhoffman at wccloans.com. That's e d h o f f m a n at wccloans.com. Uh, if there's part of the show you want repeated, you can go to edhoffman.net, click on the podcast page, uh, listen to it on demand anytime. You can also get us on the main event podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes, where you can go on and uh, subscribe for free, have it a, have it download once a week automatically to your your uh, your phone or your iPad, your iPod, your computer, whatever device you listen to podcasts on, which seems to be the up-and-coming young way people listen to things. So uh, be sure to connect with the show on social media. Follow me on Twitter, at Ed Hoffman, where I tweet about current events all week long, and like the show on Facebook, which is com slash the main event Ed Hoffman. Apparently I'm not the only one with a main event Facebook page, so mine's main event Ed Hoffman. You'll notice when you get to my page it has a picture of me and uh you'll realize I've got a face for radio. So uh anyway, uh in the studio with me, just back from DC himself. We traveled we traveled together him and his, Scott and his wife and uh my my wife Dawn and I uh was a extremely exciting adventure. Welcome back Scott McPhee, owner of uh Dawn's Bikes in Rialto and Redlands. Scott, and it just gets funner every day. Every day it's a Every day is a winding road as uh Shell Crow said and we saw some uh a variety of fun stuff in in DC did we not
3: No absolutely it's quite the adventure Ed. it was more fun than Disneyland uh and I think at least we'll hopefully paint a picture for those of you who weren't able to attend just what it was like
1: to be there Well let's uh let's talk about a little of just the uh, the beginning adventure before we get to the actual inaug- inauguration yeah. and uh we got there Wednesday we got to uh Go out to dinner, Capitol Grill, and then we walked the uh, streets of uh, of Washington D.C. as they slowly, hour by hour, got more and more blocked off.
3: Yeah, it was kind of technically it was a nightmare to get around there because everything was shut down, you know. And obviously, there was a few protesters already in place there, so the entertainment had already begun kind of early. We saw a few of them there. Mm -hmm.
1: I remember uh, the one guy, and uh, and just so you know, and you could probably imagine um, Scott as a more calm, cool, and collected guy, whereas (laughs) Um, I don't know that I would say I'm not calm, cool, and collected, but I, I like to engage. I find, I find it fun. You know, since I was a kid, I was always the, the, uh, black sheep of the family. You know, uh, my oldest sister was the oldest kid and my brother was the oldest boy and my younger sister was little, was the, the little girl. And I was just the, uh, troublemaker and, uh, went through school, got AUs regularly, you know, uh aced all my tests but I was a disruption in the class because I got done faster and I thought it was just fun to make people laugh and do stupid stuff and uh, uh, so that's it's continued through my adult life as we go through Washington DC and I thought stuff was stupid I would tend to you know share my opinions like I do on the radio Scott and uh, Scott and Maria and uh, Don were all trying to keep me calm I said I am calm I'm just engaging because I want to and uh, this one guy goes, he's uh, he, the Wednesday night was talking about how
3: I'm trying to think of which confrontation you're about to talk about. This, this is guy. the
1: one where he said that uh, Trump is Hitler because he's an anti-Semite. And I said, I said, Trump's an anti-Semite. Have you noticed the guy that's been in in the White House for the last eight years? And uh, the, you know these these protesters. Did you, are you are you not remembering it? We're, no, no, I we're do wa- remember it. We're walking in the dark. No, I
3: do remember that, and I remember also the thinking at the time, like, okay, his son-in-law is Jewish, um, Ivanka, I guess, converted to Judaism, yes. right? Yep. And he's also taking a very pro-Israeli stance. So this guy was just one more nut job.
1: Yeah. What and and most of the nut jobs that are out there just don't even understand. You know, it's like they just don't. I found you didn't have anybody who actually. Had a had a uh, intellectual view of what they were uh, protesting. Right. I thought maybe uh, is somebody paying you guys to be here?
3: <laughs> well, maybe. And there, you know, and there, again, when we get to the women's march, we want to definitely give the the play by play of what we actually experienced there because that was entertaining.
1: Too. Yeah, that was that yep. was major entertaining. Mm-hmm. So so uh, so at the forty fifth uh, president of the United States uh, inauguration, um, it was just it was a blast. Don made a comment we got there Wednesday night she goes you know how do you control an event like this and as we uh and as we got further into the week and you see everything getting blocked off and more streets and more streets and I, you know on uh Thursday morning actually it was Wednesday afternoon we went to the uh to the concert at the uh, the welcome the welcome inauguration concert at the Lincoln Memorial and what an experience that was trying to get around and uh we had a Uber driver take us over to the Lincoln Memorial, which basically dropped us off at the Washington Monument and said, "Here, walk that way, which we knew where it wasn't there. I just was hoping to not have to walk that far and you walk all the way down there, Oh wait, you can't get in here, you got to go down, gotta go back down here where the basically the Uber driver dropped us off and uh go through the gates and uh go through security and then you still don't get very close to the uh, actual monument, but there's screens everywhere, and anybody that says says that There wasn't a very good turnout... This whole city was absolutely packed.
3: Yeah, I, and exactly. And that's one thing I know that's been the talk for the past week. The crowd size was enormous. From our vantage point, I'm looking down and I see crowds all the way to the Washington Monument. The other thing I want to point out too is that, you know, when they talk about crowd size, well there was actually a record number of people watching it. There was like thirty million as opposed to about eleven million for Obama. The other thing I want to point out too is I would expect a bigger turnout to Obama's inauguration if for no other reason than that Washington D C is largely liberals. Like ninety are going to vote for Obama. It's like it's like if you had the inauguration in California, do you think you'd get a good turnout for Hillary Clinton? Of course, because they're already there. I want to point out one other thing, too, is that the people that showed up for this event, it wasn't an easy thing to do. It was expensive, number one, to fly out there, expensive to stay out there. So, And a lot of people that would end up showing up for the Women's March, they'd already reserved their seats because they figured Hillary Clinton was going to win. So right. they were already going to be there anyways, and they had nothing to do, so they concocted this march at the last minute. But the point is, for, for those of of you who and i talked to a lot of people from different states where are you from alabama where are you from well i know talked to one guy he drove 10 hours from indiana and he's going to drive all the way back so the people that came out i mean it was it was an amazing turnout it was a massive crowd and a record number of people actually watching this thing too
1: plus the other the other disadvantage for this that doesn't seem to have thinned out the crowd but remember republicans have jobs oh exactly and it was on a friday so you know it's That's a big disadvantage, you know, as opposed to Obama. You know, all the people that wanted to see him get inaugurated don't have jobs anyway. They're just waiting for checks. (laughs) I just want to get paid. So uh, uh, here's some of the most, you know, here's I I think about the beginning that as as we get shuffled in there to give you give you guys all the all the put you guys in the 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 zone where we were. You walk in. You walk in for. For us, we had orange tickets, so if you had, if you knew knew how the map worked, we we're standing right behind the, the the last section of seats, which is still pretty close. But the uh, but when you are the hotel was a ten minute walk from that section. But if you had orange seats, you had to walk down to Second Street, make a right, and go up to D Street, make another right, and then come in here, go down there, go down here, and it was a a, t- a ten minute walk turned into a two hour walk. <laughs> And, uh, shuffling through and, uh, the, you know, you go through the, and, and it was supposed to rain. So, uh, Don and I carried a, uh, a little, uh, a little small umbrella, you know, the kind that, that folds up and it's only about, uh, 10, 10, 12 inches long. And cause they said on TV that you could, you could bring in umbrellas as long as they were less than 18 inches long and they didn't have a, they weren't pointy. We get through security. Nope, no umbrellas. Well, they said on TV, you could bring them in if they're small. Oh, but you guys are going to be too close. Uh, believe me, we were not close enough to do any harm with an umbrella to anybody, <laughs> other than other people in the crowd. Um, so we throw away the throw away the umbrella. They go, you go through through, and and this is this is kind of uh, was was actually pleasing to me that they were taking uh, security seriously. Um, you know, you go through the the metal detector, and it's not well. Hey, if it doesn't beep, you're clear. They had the the heavy duty uh metal detectors and uh you know they make you pull out your wallet and your phone they power up your phone make sure it's really a phone i don't know what else they did with it um and but i could see they went through my wallet every single they pulled out every single credit card they looked to make sure there was no uh card card of I don't know what they're looking for explosives or, you know, maybe it had a thin slice of C four in there.
3: Right. Well, it was obviously very safe. And like you said, they took things very seriously. It was cops and military everywhere. They had trash trucks parked in the streets to prevent it from, I guess, driving in there was some kind of a car bomb. So it was very, very well done. Um, one thing too, I want to say just before we get into the, the particulars of it was that in our section, when Hillary Clinton walks in and everybody started chanting, lock her up, lock her up, I thought that was rude and inappropriate. Granted, we were the ones that started the chant, but it was still
1: rude and inappropriate. I know. And this because that's what we brought from California. Hey, <laughs> hey, you know, from the city that gave her the popular vote, you know, when people talk about how uh, how Trump... Lost the popular vote. If you take away California, he won the popular vote by about 2 million votes. you know. But he lost California by about 4 million votes because apparently some of us around in this country, in this state, are not spreading the good news.
3: Well, exactly. And I would tell people, they go, oh, where are you from? I go, we're from California. They kind of laugh and go, yeah, we're the four voters <laughs> from California. They
1: thought that was pretty amusing. We're the needles in the haystack. And yep. if you're listening to this show, you're probably a needle as well. But we need to expand that. We need to get some water put on us and rust it up and... It turned the Hague red. Yes. So uh uh and then then when uh we when the festivities start, they start off with uh, a couple of different speeches, but Chuck Schumer came on, uh who's the minority leader of the Senate. So he's uh he took over uh Harry Reid's spot when he retired. Which means he's got a big microphone And he got to get up there and make an idiot out of himself
3: Well he didn't, we didn't pull any clips from it Not that it's necessary because who needs to hear this But I don't understand why Chuck Schumer even spoke I mean, and when he's talking up there It it became apparent in about one minute Like dude, you're not talking to the DNC Okay, these are people These are 500,000 to 607 However many people were out there These are people who voted against your ideals uh, Voted against your party And were being lectured And it didn't go over very well I mean, people were starting to groan and moan. And it's like I don't know if people really picked that up from watching on TV, but the response was not positive.
1: I think they were talking a million and a half to two million people there. Really? But probably from where we were forward was probably half a million. Yeah, it was huge. So, and, and we weren't that far, but you still couldn't you still couldn't see because of the the elevation of the platform that the that where the where the inauguration takes place. You really can't see anything without having those screens. You really need to be in the vantage point of where the news people were, which was a couple blocks away, elevated, using their telephoto lenses, because you could see where everybody was filming from. And uh, it's just it's just massive. You, if you can imagine that many people and trying to make it to where people can see...
3: Yeah. It, the cool thing, though, was being around so many friends. Ed,
2: you know?
3: I, know, I mean, so many like-minded people. That was really, really cool. You're not going to experience that very often in your life, especially in California.
1: The, the thing that I, the thing that I liked mm. when as soon as Schumer started talking about divided nation, everybody started tr- chanting Trump, 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 <laughs>
3: Trump. I remember Trump. that.
1: And it just kind of came over like a wave through the crowd. And right. It, and it was, uh, I thought it was great. Nice. And then drain the swamp, drain, drain the, the swamp, drain, drain the, swamp. the swamp. It was, it was a blast. <laughs> And uh, so anyway, we'll, we'll talk about more as we as we go. But, you know, here's some of the most important moments of Trump's inaugural address, referencing the growth of the government and rising taxes over the last eight years.
4: Washington flourished, but the people did not share in its wealth. Politicians prospered, but the jobs left and the factories closed. The establishment protected itself but not the citizens of our country. Their victories have not been your victories. Their triumphs have not been your triumphs. And while they celebrated in our nation's capital, there was little to celebrate for struggling families all across our land. That all changes starting right here and right now, because this moment is your moment. It belongs to you.
1: I love that.
3: I loved it, too. The funny thing is, when we're listening to this live, I'm thinking, he's talking about all the people that are sitting behind him right now, both including Republicans as well, I might add.
1: Yeah, I would, uh, would have loved to have uh, been, a, been a, I would love to hear the <laughs> thoughts of of Barack Hussein Obama and Michelle Obama as he's basically just sliming on them. And he's basically saying everything that we all believe.
3: Right. I mean, they've been part of the problem for a long time, again, along with with other Republicans as well. But I thought that was just kind of cool <laughs> thinking, okay, these, what are these people thinking as they're listening to this?
1: And he t- And he talked about how they've been so great about the transition, but I think that was just...
3: Oh, well, that, that's another thing, too. Being back there, we actually, I was lucky I was able to stay with a gentleman who actually worked for the State Department. And one thing I'll point out for you that don't, that wouldn't have known this Trump did talk about a smooth transition of power. Unfortunately, that was not the case. Talking to somebody that actually deals with deals with the State Department, deals with the White House, um, they have done nothing but obstruct the transition of power from the Obama administration to the Trump administration every way they can. So it's nice to say that it's been smooth, but the fact that Matt is talking to people that are actually there and working it, no, that's not the case at all.
1: And uh kind of reminds me of when Clinton left, when uh, when the Clintons left the White House for George W. Bush to to move in, and they uh, they basically... Looted the White House, and I, they took a whole bunch of stuff that they weren't supposed to take, and they apparently they took china and and pictures and stuff out of the White House that belonged to the White House, and uh, which means to us taxpayers, they had to bring them back. And they went through all the computers and uh, had their staff uh, uh, break off the W's on all the keyboards, which to me is vandalism of government property. But uh, they thought it was they thought it was a funny joke, and don't realize that hey, you know what. That costs money, too. May not cost a lot of money, but it costs money. And that's a, you know what? Childish. Yeah. Childish for someone who holds office to of the president. Another important theme of the speech was the forgotten men and women of, of America. Hardworking people who have been left behind by Democrat Party policies.
4: The forgotten men and women of our country will be forgotten no longer. <laughs> Everyone is listening to you now. You came by the tens of millions to become part of a historic movement, the likes of which the world has never seen before. At the center of this movement is a crucial conviction that a nation exists to serve its citizens. Americans want great schools for their children, safe neighborhoods for their families, and good jobs for themselves. These are just and reasonable demands of righteous people and a righteous public.
1: I would agree. I don't have have any issue with any any of that. And despite what the liberal pundits want to say, the so-called American carnage part of Trump's address was clearly intended to show support for minorities and poverty-stricken Americans. Let's hear it.
4: Mothers and children trapped in poverty in our inner cities, rusted out factories scattered like tombstones across the landscape of our nation, an education system flush with cash, but which leaves our young and beautiful students deprived of all knowledge. And the crime and the gangs and the drugs that have stolen too many lives and robbed our country of so much unrealized potential. This American carnage stops right here and stops
1: right now. And if you ask the insane hosts on PMS NBC, uh, this, this supportive message to struggling Americans reminded them of uh, who else? Hitler, here's, here's my favorite, Rachel Maddow
2: it was militant and it was dark the crime the gangs the drugs this american carnage disrepair this president also repeating the new president also repeating that our, our 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 guiding principle will be america first america first we know how he has used that as a campaign slogan that does also have very dark echoes in american history there was an america first committee that formed in this country hundreds of thousands of people in this country some of the rich Just businessmen in the country, many of them were anti-Semitic, part of why they weren't alarmed by Hitler's rise in Germany.
1: Where did she get that from? She's
3: definitely one of the biggest dopes on TV. So for one thing, when she's talking about, well, it's it's dark to talk about, yeah, gangs and drugs are a dark thing to talk about. They're also a reality, Rachel. Uh, And why is it that being America
1: first is dark? Yeah, I mean, what is, what is... what is the object of the game? Why, why do we have a president? Why do we have a guy? Why do we have leaders? Hey, you know what? Uh, if you're the, you know what, if you're the, uh, president of your company, you should be looking out for your company first. If, and your employees first, if you're president of, uh, of, of, uh, if, you know, if you're running a sports team, that's, you know, it's not, let's just be fair to everybody. No, let's win. Yeah. I mean, I, I just don't understand What's the option here? The option is what everybody else first, I don't I don't get it. She's such a dope. Let's just all get to let's let's just create a big chain worldwide and we'll just hold hands and sing songs and be happy. Okay. I think that's what Obama did. You know, if you remember Obama went around on his his apology tour when he, as soon as he got in and we saw him bow down to the the king of Saudi Arabia or, you know, the the you know, basically was going around telling everybody what a mean country we are and how we should apologize. For all the mean things we've done, trying to be exceptional, be that shining city on the on the hill. That's not fair. Cause what about the shi- the, the cities that aren't shining and aren't on the hill?
3: They what about must... the dirty cities on the hill?
1: Yeah. What about the, what about that? It's it's amazing. <laughs> and uh, and then uh, that's not. If that wasn't crazy enough, there's more. Uh, according to Chris Matthews, Trumps was was uh, sounding like Vladimir Putin to send a message. He was attempting to sound like Vladimir Putin or send a message to him or something. I don't know.
0: When he said today, America first, it was not just the racial, I mean, the I shouldn't say racial, the Hitlerian uh, background to it. But it was the uh, message I kept thinking, what does Theresa May think of this this morning when she picks up the papers and says, oh my God, what did he just say? He said, America first. What happened to this special relationship? What if you're Putin? You're probably pounding the table saying, that's what I've been saying. Russia first. Yeah. Russia first. The, uh, this old bullying message to him.
1: Yeah, well, we got a lot to say about that. I mean, I don't understand where why that is Hitlerian, but we're out of time for part one. So stick stick around five minutes of uh, traffic, weather, and commercials. We'll be right back talking more about what's gone on this past week. And welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman, President, Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. We don't talk a lot about uh, financing and mortgages and real estate on this uh, show, but if it sounds like... That I think like you and you have, and that I have a brain and you want someone with a brain that understands mortgages and all that stuff to help you with yours, when you're ready, call me toll-free 855-640-2020, 855-640-2020 or the website's wccloans.com, uh, buying, refinancing, reverse mortgages, anything anything you need financing uh, that involves real estate, call me 855-640-2020. So we're talking about... With my guest Scott McAfee, we're talking about the uh the uh inauguration and uh we just went over the uh Chris uh, Matthews thinking that that uh it was a dark was a dark speech and it was hitlerian and uh I think he's I think he, I I think they're just looking for stuff to to criticize as usual the mainstream media does. Uh what else did we leave out on uh
3: well, here's here's the one of the I think the funniest thing that happened while we were there. We're all watching this, right? And at one point, uh, Melania Trump walks in, and this has been a viral video that's been all over the internet as well. You can see it. All you have to do is pull up Bill Clinton ogles Melania. But there's a shot where Melania's walking in, right? And then all of a sudden, you see Bill Clinton just kind of like get this dumb, goofy, like ogling look on his face, and and it, and, it, and he's and actually, you watch Hillary. Look at Bill as if to say, like, what are you looking at? What people don't realize is that that's what we were all watching, too. So literally there's like however many of us, a million of us or whatever, we're out there watching Bill Clinton ogling Melania Trump and then watching Hillary Clinton get PO'd about it. I can't think of a better send off for the Clintons than that. And I couldn't have scripted it any better.
1: Exactly. If you look at the pictures on my Twitter or on my uh, the main event uh, uh, Facebook page, a lot of the pictures from the inauguration, I'm taking pictures of the screen with the Capitol in the background, so you can get an idea about how far we are. So we're all looking at the screen. So we're about. We might as well have been in our hotel room, except for the you don't have all these people. You didn't have the excitement of the whole thing, but you're, watch, you're watching. You're watching. You can hear what's going on, but you just can't see close ups. So we're watching the screens, and the cameraman just focused on Bill and Hillary, and they're both. They're you know uh, Hillary's standing in front of him. And he, she's not seeing that he's ogling, he's ogling Melania or or right. Ivanka, one of the two, um, one of the two, and uh, then she turns around and just stares at him, and waits till he waits till he notices that she's staring at him, and it was just a to- total busted moment. It was. People were
3: dying laughing at this. It was so hilarious.
1: So we get there Wednesday, thir- Wednesday night, Thursday, Friday, everything. The most positive city in the whole country. Right. Um, it was just like. Uh, it's like uh, the Ghostbusters uh, put that happy juice that positively charged uh, whatever they called that goo that they sprayed on everybody and made everybody love each other. We were all happy. We were all American. And it was a great, great transfer of transfer of power. And it was just the most exciting stuff. We're getting rid of Obama. We get off. Uh, oh, and then I, I noticed as we're walking, walking out, as you're walking out, you're going, th- you know, we're, Moo, you know, cattle. <laughs> cattle going away because you know there's hardly anybody there except for just tons and tons of people and about uh i don't know 20 minutes 20 minutes after the thing and some of you guys are watching on tv um as the trumps uh send off the obamas you know kind of kick them into the to marine one and those of us that are walking we see marine one uh the big helicopter come over the Capitol and it's heading for Andrews air force base. And I think a lot of people thought Trump was taken off. And I said, that's not Trump. That's Obama heading for his last ride on the big plane that he gets to, to take it at a taxpayer's expense. What I was disappointed to hear is that some of my friends let, let Obama land in our city in Marino Valley at March air force base. Cause apparently couldn't get to his, uh, the closer place in Palm Springs To land, and uh, I can't believe they let him land in Merino Valley. Bummer, Ed. Sorry. (laughs) Kind of puts a dark cloud over my Oh, well. All right. All right. So anyway, so let's talk about... Then then we got up Saturday morning.
3: Yep. Can I set the stage for this? Go ahead. All right. So... We're like, for those of you who've listened to Ed and myself on the radio for any length of time, you know, we're fair, fairly far to the right. So on Saturday, we just wanted to like, maybe go see some museums, but we walk out there and find ourselves surrounded by a sea of angry middle-aged leftist women wearing pink hats. Well,
1: I wouldn't say middle-aged.
3: There was every, well, that's there true. was every age. There All was, right.
1: They were down to 15 year olds. Right. That's true. I mean, people that didn't have any idea what was, what it meant, the signs they were carrying. Right. I mean, and they were really, really vile and really stupid. Yes. So there we are, surrounded in this mob, Ed. And it's uh, and it's an ugly, angry. <laughs> uh, we walked by one one guy with two girls standing there. goes, "Is there any any good speakers that we didn't hear?" And I walked by and I said, "Yeah, yesterday at noon there was a good one on stage on, at the Capitol." He just looked at me like, "Why are you buttin' into my conversation?" <laughs> just thought I'd edge you know, kids. You know, kids need to be educated. Yeah, apparently nobody did with, did with these people. So uh, there's a bunch of celebrities who made fools of themselves: uh, Michael Moore, Scarlett Johansson, America Ferrera, Gloria Steinem. But two in particular made news for their uh, off-the-charts remarks: Madonna and Ashley Judd. In case In case you haven't heard it, let's listen to Madonna threaten the life of the president, everyone else who lives at the White House.
2: Yes, I'm angry. <coughs> yes, I am outraged. Yes, I have thought an awful lot about blowing up the White House.
1: I don't know Someone with her financial means, you'd think that would be a credible threat, and they should uh secret service should take her into custody.
3: Well, yeah, and and what people didn't hear because we actually can't even play it on the radio, but Madonna dropped f bomb after f bomb after f bomb, and as you did point out, yeah, there were a lot of kids in that audience. Uh, it was like really awful. Madonna yeah. doing what she does best, and that just being offensive and crude.
1: I actually couldn't believe that so many women were bringing their kids to this stuff. Say, why are you exposing them to this? This this anger. This the, and and uh, there was at one point where we're over by the White House, and uh, the four of us were just walking around sight saying soaking in soaking in the anger and we're standing by the white house and there's there's a bunch of uh people marching and there's a guy they're going hey ho trump's gotta go and i'm and you know i got eye contact with this one one guy he looked like he's mid-20s and i go he's been here for 24 hours what do you expect what do you what do you expect him to do and he just looked at me and just Kept walking. You know, these guys, I don't know why I'm chanting it with just a big group. Of, it was just having a big kumbaya. We're having a big hug. We don't know what we're protesting.
3: Well, the funny thing was, too, is that both my wife and I had our Trump buttons on. And as we're walking the other direction from a lot of the protesters, when they're, they're the looks on their faces, when they saw our buttons, it was just like what you know and then of course before we could even get a response we're just walking to the next one and the next one but it's just it was really funny and
1: entertaining seeing the looks on their faces like what are you doing here and they didn't seem to have any unified message no what are you protesting no. Um,
3: and actually, uh, I've asked Brooke to post some of my... I took pictures of actually my favorite protesters that were out there. There's this one woman dressed in a polar bear outfit with this big... She had, I'm dying, written all over. Uh, another chick that looked like I some... that's
1: y- supposed to mean global warming. Yeah, yeah, that's the reference. As people- it was 20 degrees.
3: Right, exactly. Um, and then, of course, people are coming up to her going, oh, no, don't die, and they're giving her a big hug. Uh, another chick who looked like some well-dressed yuppie with a sign that says, we have nothing to lose but our chains. And I'm thinking, yeah, the only chain she knows are the gold ones that are around her neck she got it at the local jewelry store. Exactly. Um, another couple of guys that are working women of the world unite. But these were guys holding the signs.
1: And they look like they were about, I don't know, 17 years old. Yeah, it looked years. like their
3: moms made them hold the sign.
1: I, walk, I walked by them and I said, yeah, you guys look like working women. <laughs> and, and, then, and then they didn't comment. And then, then Scott goes back and says, I'm going to take a picture of those guys. Oh, yeah. I'm going, and then they let you take a picture of them.
3: Oh yeah, they didn't they were like, oh whatever, dude. Uh another guy dressed like an alligator that had a sign that said, Make the swamp great again. I thought that was pretty cute. Um another person a sign that says, I can't believe I still have to protest this effing s. Uh and then my favorite was a gal who held up a sign that says, what? We deserve orgasms too.
1: Yeah, it was uh and she looked like she was about fourteen.
3: Yeah, it was it was pretty bad.
1: I was like, do you even know what that means? Mm. Okay. Say, so, you know, it's a, what, and, and what do you want Trump to do about that? Right.
3: And if you want to see these people, uh, go to Ed's uh, main event uh, Facebook, it's Ed Hoffman main event Facebook page, and you can see these colorful characters that we got to see.
1: Actually, it's main event Ed Hoffman.
3: Main event Ed Hoffman, I'm sorry.
1: So, but then, uh, yep. then Ashley Judd, Ashley Judd was reading a poem that some 19 year old wrote in Tennessee. It doesn't sound like a poem to me, but let's hear it.
2: I am a nasty woman. As nasty as a man who looks like he bathes in Cheeto dust. A man whose words are a diss track to America. Electoral college sanctioned hate speech contaminating this national anthem. I'm not as nasty as Confederate flags being tattooed across my city. I'm a nasty woman. A loud, vulgar, proud woman. I'm not nasty like the combo of Trump and Pence being served up to me in my voting booth. I'm nasty like the battles my grandmothers fought to get me into that voting booth.
1: (laughs) I'm speechless.
3: Well, I thought the Cheeto dust thing was kind of funny. The rest was largely incoherent.
1: Yeah, and, uh, you know, who are they? Who are the? You know what? I just, <laughs> what is, what is the point of that? You know, Ashley Judd, I've seen a handful of, of uh, movies that she's in and I thought she was reasonably, reasonably decent actress. Mm. I won't see any more. Well, I don't, I think, she see be, anymore. I don't and, think she should
3: be doing any more. And the,
1: know. and especially after this part, uh, Judd also included plenty of visuals to question the taxation of feminine products.
2: Why are tampons and pads still taxed when Viagra and Rogaine are not? Is your erection really more than protecting the sacred messy part of my womanhood is the blood stain on my jeans? More embarrassing than the thinning of your hair?
1: Where is she going with
0: that?
3: Yeah, I don't know. The only thing I could say, listening to this, is that if these are the kind of dopes and idiots that the Democrat wants to put up there to speak, we are now looking at the beginning of the end of the Democrat Party. If this is, if these are your spokespeople,
1: folks, it's over. So we get back. We get back to the hotel, and and the uh, when you walk into the Hyatt Regency, there's a big bar lounge area. That you walk in on the street level and then you'd go down and then get on the elevators and go up or or you go to the bar lounge area. So the previous two nights, the previous two nights, uh, all the Fox News people were staying there. And uh, so it's, a uh, you know, there's the big screens have Fox and the small screens behind the bar have CNN. And there's everybody seems to be happy. And, uh, you know, Scott and Scott and Maria, Don and I were just loving it because we're starting to see all of our all of our all of our people that we love to watch on Fox news and, you know, got a, uh, Scott actually got his picture with, uh, Kimberly Guilfoyle. And I, you know, we got, a um, uh, Ainsley Earhart and, um,
3: you got Hannity, Brian, and-
1: Brian Kilmeade and yep. Sean Hannity and yep. Eric bowling. Yep. Uh, where was also Geraldo Rivera, but we didn't want a picture with him because he's a liberal. <laughs> I wanted to get a picture with, uh, with Ollie North, but he slipped out while I was getting a picture of, uh, uh, with, uh, with, um, Eric bowling. And it was just it was just a just totally positive. Just a, it was a really nice place. We come back on Saturday, and it's filled with pink hat people. And it, and it didn't look like hey here's some people that are sitting in the lobby that are you know having some cocktails or having some munchies and watching TV. It looked like a flop house. You know people that didn't have anywhere else to go. Hey, you know what? One person got a room, and everybody came in came in the hotel, and they just didn't have any place to stay. Because they didn't have a room, so they're they're down there, and uh, as uh, Sean Spicer's talking on the TV, they're yelling "liar, liar, liar," and and I'm and I took a film of it and I posted it posted it up. I said, "Here's look at these morons. They're they're yelling at the TV. You know, all these pink-headed morons." And some lady standing beside me, she goes, "Why are you calling me a moron?" And I said, "I didn't call you a moron. I called this this whole group a moron. You're wearing a pink hat. Why do you want to associate with those people?" I just want people to be nice to each other. And I go, well, why are you wearing a pink hat then? You must be angry like the rest of them. No, I'm just here because I want... Okay, whatever. Well, I would say throughout the entire event, I was pleasantly surprised. I thought Ed used a lot of
3: restraint because I was expecting uh, more, which is good because I'm thinking, okay, Ed, we're kind of outnumbered like a half a million to one here. So
1: don't uh, pick any fights. I I, I took that into account, but you know, it's... I have this, I have this desire to engage, you know, yes. Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving at the, at the Thanksgiving table is the <laughs> time when you, when you stir up some, uh, some, some tension between you and your relatives. <laughs> and I thought this was the perfect time because we have a perfect gigantic gathering of people that just don't see the world clearly.
3: Okay. All right. In well, my eyes. All right.
1: I could be wrong. Fair enough. I'm not. <clears throat> so let's talk about our new president and his, and his, uh, start to his presidency. So, Trump, uh, there's numerous accomplishments President Trump has made this first week. We'll get into those in a moment, but first I want to recap his first business meeting in the White House. In the Roosevelt Room in the White House, Trump met with 12 top CEOs in the country. Here's the full list. Elon Musk, CEO of SpaceX and Tesla, and uh, probably uh, the Steve Jobs of our time. Mark Fields, President and CEO of Ford Motor Company. Marilyn Hewson, President CEO of Lockheed Martin. Uh, Andrew Leverus, President and CEO of Dow Chemical. Kevin Plank, founder and CEO of Under Armour. Michael Dell, founder and CEO of Dell Computers. Mario Longhi, uh, CEO of U.S. Steel. Uh, Jeff Fettig, CEO of Whirlpool. Alex Gorsky, CEO of Johnson & Johnson. Klaus Kleinfeld, CEO of Arconic. Wendell Week, CEO of Corning. And Mark Sutton, CEO of International Paper. Um, reminds me of a of a story that I think Obama did something similar to this. At the beginning, and he had uh, Steve Jobs and Bill Gates. I read about this. I read about this meeting in Steve Jobs' biography um, where they did that. And I'm wondering where is the CEO of Apple? I'm not even sure who it is now.
3: I don't know the answer to that question. I mean, obviously, there's some big, big companies that lean hardcore politically left. You know, I don't know.
1: But but the message the message was that he would be incentivizing companies like these for staying in the United States or or repatriating their operations by bringing them back here if they've already gone overseas. Let's hear a clip. What
4: we want to do is bring manufacturing back to our country. That doesn't mean we don't trade because we do trade, but we want to make our products here. Will be advantages to companies that do indeed make their products here.
1: And he explained how this America first promise applies to companies like theirs with this cautionary message.
4: One thing I do have to warn you about, when you have a company here, you have a plant here. If you decide to close it and you no longer will have a real reason because your taxes are going to be lower. But if that happens, we are going to be imposing a very major border tax on the product when it comes in, which I think is fair, which is fair. i are telling you, all you have to do is stay. Don't leave. Don't fire your people in the United States.
1: Yep, exactly. I think uh I think it makes all the sense in the world. I saw a meme, uh, a picture with words on it for those of you that are over over uh, 35. Um so I saw a meme and it said Mexico's not paying for the wall we are and it shows and it shows a uh, uh, six pack of Corona, 20% tax. <laughs> you know what happens when when uh, the pri- you know, I don't know what uh, I had to ask somebody what a six pack of beer cost. Um, I think it I uh Brooks said it was eight eight dollars. So eight dollars so if it goes up uh twenty percent, that means a dollar sixty, which is uh what, uh fifteen cents a beer?
3: Well, and people keep focusing on how much the wall costs, and I come back to how much does the does not having a wall cost? And that that's just in the God only knows how what that's costing in the billions and billions and <laughs> billions, uh in terms of education, incarceration, um, you know, health care,
1: you name it. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a ton. But remember, the object of the game is if that extra fifteen cents a beer to buy Coronas is too much, buy Bud. And remember, you know who owns Corona? Anheuser Busch. You know who that is? Budweiser. When Don and I went to uh, Boston, we went through a uh, a brewery tour uh, of some. I don't even remember the name of the brewery because we drank a lot of a lot of samples, and, uh, and then I forgot. I forgot what the name of the stuff was at the time, but it was a local brewery, and they. You've been t- consuming too
3: much. <laughs> yeah, we were
1: we were consuming, and we were. Uh, um, but they explain, you know, they take you through, and they show you how beer is made, and they show you how how the how the you know the different how they add different stuff to it to make different kinds of beers, and all these craft beers. And I'm not really a big beer drinker, but um, I was that night. And, uh, and they told us that all the beers on the market, there's like five breweries in the world that, that make about 99% of it. And the rest is all just, uh, craft stuff. So, you know what, if you can't buy, you know, Corona, Hey, I want the Corona. Hey, get something American. If it gets too expensive. That's the whole idea. Well, you know what? We're going to be hurting these people. If they put, if they put a, uh, they put a tariff on Ford, if they say 35%, that's just hurting people. No. Cause then you just buy a Chevy. Or you buy a Chrysler, or you buy something else that doesn't have that price tag on it. So uh, anyway, that's that's the concept behind it. Keep the keep the uh, products here, and you know what? If if um, pay, keeping that fifteen cent discount on your Corona beers is that important to you, more important than having a job, and you stay home and use your EBT card to uh, to go fill up your uh, your beer supply, um, you're gonna you're gonna like it a lot better when you have a job. So speaking of business, Democrats in the Senate are still doing everything they can to stall the confirmation of Trump's cabinet nominees. And uh, that includes Trump's business history to frame an argument against uh, confirming Ben Carson for the position of HUD, HUD secretary. We we talked a little bit about the confirmation um, before we left for the inauguration. Um, but I missed I missed this this section because they were having uh, they were having uh, like three different people do the Senate confirmation hearings. And uh, on the same day, so I couldn't get all the clips. And plus, I have a job. So um, let's hear Elizabeth Warren try to get Carson to say uh, that the Trumps could somehow profit from HUD programs
2: among the billions of dollars that you will be responsible for handing out in grants and loans. Can you just assure us that not one dollar will go to benefit either the president elect or his family?
4: It will not be my intention to do anything I, to, to benefit any any American.
2: I understand that. It's
4: for all Americans, but everything may, that we do.
2: Do I take that to mean that you may manage programs that will significantly benefit the president-elect?
4: You can take it to mean that I will manage things in a way that benefits the American people. That is going to be the
1: goal. See, what's amazing to me is that Elizabeth Warren really doesn't care if, if about helping everybody. She would rather hurt everybody in America to avoid opening up an opportunity that someone like Donald Trump or his family or anybody connected with him could actually make a profit with.
3: Well, and it's absolutely moronic to think that Donald Trump ran for president so he could get HUD money diverted to his own personal business. How stupid is this? Uh, exactly. Yeah. Um, and, you know, once again, I mean, we're talking about the senator who lied about being a Native American Indian so she could get a teaching job at Harvard. And I've said it before. I'll say it again. She may be a Massachusetts hoe, but she's not a Navajo.
1: And uh, I say she's just a
3: oh, idiot.
1: Exactly. <laughs> she's an idiot. So uh, uh, then then uh, Trump has accomplished more in his first week than uh, than Obama did in his first year. Here's some of the executive orders he signed so far. Two orders reviving the uh, the Keystone XL pipeline and Dakota Access pipelines. He also signed three other related orders that would expedite uh, environmental permitting process for infrastructure projects related to the pipelines, direct the Commerce Department to streamline the manufacturing permitting process, and give the Commerce Department 180 180 days to maximize the use of U.S. steel in the pipeline. Uh, And I heard people say, hey, U.S. steel is going to be more expensive. Well, let's uh let's give 180 days, that's 6 months while they're doing the planning and the and all the all the details to to make some deals to hey to to make some uh make some negotiations with the American steel companies and US Steel one of the one of the the head of US Steel was in his meeting so that we could use US Steel and further keep jobs in America. He signed an order to reinstate banning federal funds to international groups that perform abortions or lobby, legalize, or promote abortion. The policy was instituted in 1984 by President Reagan, but has gone in and out of effect over the last 30 years, depending on who has, who has been in power. And you know what? People say, oh, he's trying to take away women's choice. He's trying to take away women's rights. Hey, you know what? Whatever you want to do... I don't want my tax money going to pay for abortions.
3: Yeah, and by the way, we're talking $400 million, and I had no idea that the United States taxpayers' money was actually going to fund abortions
1: of people in different countries. How stupid is that? Exactly. He signed a notice that the U.S. will begin withdrawing from the Trans-Pacific Partnership trade deal. and He signed an order uh, imposing a hiring freeze for some federal government workers as a way to shrink the size of government. He signed an order that directs federal agencies to ease the regulatory burdens of Obamacare. This order directs federal agencies to waive, defer, grant exemptions from and or delay implementation of any Obamacare provision or requirement that imposes fiscal burden on any state or a fee, tax penalty on individuals, families, health care providers, health insurers, patients, or makers of medical devices. In other words, he said, hey, Obamacare is a disaster. Well, he said exactly that. He said, He said that we're going to, uh, hey, stop this. We're going to get rid of this. In the meantime, stop penalizing people that aren't cooperating because it's going to go bye-bye. It's not their fault. And lastly, he signed an immigration order to begin the immediate construction of a border wall with Mexico and uh, pull funding from sanctuary cities. Damn, Ed, you got that all in. Yes, yes, I did. (laughs) Do we have time for this last clip? Here's uh, what he had to say after signing the... Oh, we're done. Okay, we got that all in. So, hey, we're out of time. We're out of time. Where we almost got through everything today. But, uh, hey, there's always tomorrow. There's always tomorrow. Yep, exactly. So, hey, uh, my name is Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening to the main event. I'll be back again with you next week.